You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Welcome to our series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're calling it Dirty Church. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, and get ready to study God's Word together. Hey, good morning, Harvest. How are you today? Really, really glad to be with you. You know, I love it when we can gather together, when we get the opportunity to worship the Lord, and when there's a gathering of people. And I love to gather. And one of my favorite gatherings that we do as a church is the potluck. Man, there's something great about it, just a great Christian potluck, isn't there? Uh, it's an opportunity for us to get together, and there's, there's, uh, you, everybody has like your own go-to dish. Maybe you've got like grandma's lasagna that's like, it's been, the recipe's been in our family for a long time, and so that's my go-to thing. Or, or maybe it's the big crock pot of chili, ooh, with the cheese on top and everything like that. Maybe, maybe it's like your Aunt Martha's famous recipe for chocolate chip cookies, Ooh. But I got to say, I'm quite fond of the dude who usually shows up with like a Portillo's chocolate cake. Oh, man. It's fantastic, right? Just this big old chocolate cake. But if you show up to a potluck that we are having and you bring one slice of chocolate cake from Portillo's, it's a fail. Even if it's a great cake like Portillo's, The point of what we're bringing together when we gather is so that it would benefit the whole, so that it would help all of us, so that we would all be encouraged by the tastiness of the Portillo's chocolate cake. You see, it's it's about what we're doing together. And these times of gathering, it's critical that, that what we're bringing is something that helps the whole. That's what we're going to be talking about today in God's Word. But before we do, let's pray right now. Father, we are grateful for the way that you allow us to gather in a place like this, that you've called us out of this world and into a fellowship, a community, a body of believers, a family. And we're thankful for this opportunity that we have to look into your word. We thank you for your promises that you tell us that by your Holy Spirit, you will illumine the pages of your scripture, that you will bring it um, to the forefront of our minds. So we, we pray that you would do that even now in our midst, that you would open our eyes to what you would have us to see and to grasp and to put in our lives today so that we can glorify you in greater ways, that we can build up the church in greater ways, and ultimately, Lord, that we would love you more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So grab hold of your Bible, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, We have been uh, making our way, Lord willing, we're going to finish 1 Corinthians here in just a couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know uh, if you're excited about it, but I'm excited about Easter coming soon, and just a little aside as you're turning there, we got kind of excited uh, months ago as we were in our preaching planning meeting when we saw that just by the Lord's providence, we're going to be in chapter 15 
15, Lord willing, on Easter Sunday, where it's talking about the resurrection. We kind of all nerded out for a minute, like, oh, look at that, it's going to be, it just worked perfect. So uh, we're really excited about that. But today we are finishing up 1 Corinthians 14. And for the past several weeks, really for the past three chapters, Paul has been talking about spiritual gifts. He's been talking about the way that the Holy Spirit empowers each and every believer to serve him and to use how the Lord has made us for his purposes. If you've turned from your sins and trusted Jesus Christ by faith, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have been gifted by the Holy Spirit for his purposes here on earth. Every single believer has been gifted by the Holy Spirit for mission and for the ministry of God, to see his kingdom experienced here on earth in greater ways. And God has composed us as a body. Many members, all different, different, we're made different ways. We have different abilities, different gifts, different um, ways that the Lord has made us, but we're all a part of the same body working together. And you are a part of that body. I hope that you have spent some time to uh, figure out what your spiritual gift is. Maybe you've taken an assessment online. Maybe uh, you've spent some time talking to some people in your growth group. Maybe you've spent some time trying to figure out where you might serve to find a way that you can use how the Lord has made you for his purposes and his people here on earth. It's an important thing for us to figure that out. And I actually think it's a lifelong journey of figuring out exactly how the Lord has made us and how he wants to use us to be used um, to our full capacity for the Lord. But the key that Paul stresses over and over is that every single believer matters. Every member matters. Every part of the body is important. We need you. We need who the Lord has made you to be, just who you are. We don't need you to pretend like you're somebody else. We need you the way that the Lord has made you so that the body can be grown. And you know, the, the Corinthians were really misunderstanding um, their gifts. They were misunderstanding them and they were misusing their gifts because of that. They had a, a hierarchy view. They thought because you have a particular giftedness that you must be more spiritual. The Lord must love you more. And that is not true at all. And Paul is correcting that, correcting their, their misunderstanding and their misuse. It's interesting because what's happening with the Corinthians is these things, our spiritual gifts, God has designed these things for the building up of the body. He's designed these things for unity, something that will bring us together. We are all different and we're made in different ways, but these gifts are made to bring us together. And they're actually the things that the Corinthians are using to divide them further. It's just like politics in our country. I mean, whatever side of the aisle you land on, the, politics are created so that there's different people from all over the place that we would get together and discuss things in a kind manner. That doesn't really happen, but we're supposed to get together and, and talk about our differences and strengthen one another, and together we're more unified because of it. That's why it is supposed to work that way. But one article scrolling through on your phone 
or a couple of minutes watching a news program, and you will quickly see that the thing that's supposed to bring unity actually brings great division in our country. And that's what the gifts were doing for the Corinthians. These things that are supposed to bring them together, are supposed to build unity, are supposed to build up the body in love, are the things that are causing great division. And that's why Paul spends three chapters talking about that, talking about the importance of love as we use our gifts in, in community with one another. But we are all supposed to be using the way that the Lord has made us to help grow one another, to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so Paul here is focusing on these spiritual gifts. It's why he spends so much time and why we have spent so much time drilling down on these things so that we can be strengthened in the way that we serve the Lord with how he has made us. And here in chapter 14... Paul is talking, he narrows down to two specific gifts and uses those as an example to talk about all of the gifts. Specifically, he talks about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And we spoke about that last week and we're looking at that again. These are specific gifts that were being greatly misused and misunderstood in their time. And so Paul, as he's coming to a close, he finds it super important to look again at these two gifts and to look at specifically what they look like and what all of our gifts are to look like when we gather together. He's talking about the gathering of believers. He's talking about what is it supposed to look like when I bring my gift to church, when I bring my gift to the gathering together. So we're looking at our gifts as we gather together, and we're looking at what are some questions that we are to ask ourselves about our giftedness as we bring them to church. So when bringing my gift to church, first, does it build up? Does my gift build up as I bring it to church? Let's look at the text, 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come, here it is, come together, let each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three, at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. And here again, Paul is telling us when you come together, he's talking about the gathering of believers together. What we do on Sunday mornings, Saturday nights, what we gather together as believers. And so he's talking about this. He's trying to get our minds focused around what does it look like when we gather and how are we supposed to bring our gifts? And he's saying, does it build up. We've already seen a lot of the ways that the Corinthians have been misusing their gift. And one of those ways that, that each person was bringing their gift to church and, and they were gathering together and they were doing it in a way that was showy, that was like, oh, it's my turn. I, 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 I want to go now. I, I'm, I'm going to use how I'm built. I, I want everybody to see what that looks like. It looked a little bit like an elementary school uh, talent show. Have you ever been to an elementary school talent show? I mean, I'm sure the ones that your kids are in are great, but most of the ones that I've been to are like, 
oh boy, here we go, you know? But that's what the, the church looked like for the Corinthians. It's everybody sort of bringing their gift and trying to one-up one another. And Paul's goal here is to sort of rein things in a little bit. And what he says here is, let all things be done for building up. That's what he's going for. Does my gift build up? Is it building the church when we gather together? And specifically here, he's talking about the gift of tongues, which we have spoken about the last few weeks. But the gift of tongues, again, is uh, speaking in a language that is unknown to the speaker. It could be a known language. It could be an unknown language. Uh, but it's speaking in a language like that that's unknown. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's a good thing. It's a manifestation of the Spirit is what the text tells us. And later on in this text, Paul will say, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. So it's a good thing. And if you have spoken in tongues, I have not before, but if you have, it's a good thing. Don't let people tell you that it's a terrible thing because Paul here says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. It's a good thing. But Paul here is in the gathering of believers. When we're together for church, he's restricting it. He's saying that there, there needs to be some, some guidelines in all of that. Why? Why is Paul restricting it? He's restricting it because all things should be done for the building up of the body. Paul's goal, he wants intelligibility to happen when we gather. He wants it to make sense to everybody. He wants everybody to understand what is said when we gather together for church. Now, you and I, we need a fresh encounter with the living God in a community like this every week. It's necessary for us to go on. God has designed it that way. And I love to see um, so many people standing with their arms raised or people kneeling or, or tears streaming down people's face because of the immense love of God that has been given to us. Gratitude for, for lives that have been changed and, and for marriages that have been redeemed and for prodigals who've, been, who've come home and for brokenness that has been made whole, singing loud at the top of our lungs for all of the things that the Lord has done, for the dirtiness of my sin that's been cleansed because of an amazing Savior on the cross. That is what we come to church to celebrate. It's not just for Easter Sunday. We come every week and we worship and we praise Him because of all of the things that he's done. And I hope, I hope that that continues in your life and only increases. That that passion and that spirit stirring in you, I hope that happens for you when we come together, when we gather. And I hope it only increases as you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Don't let that ever stop. We need a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ every week in a community to keep us going. But don't ever let that just be an experience. We're here to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we need both of those things together. Because there's a lot of places today, a lot of places that people would come and they would say, they would explain their experience in a very similar way that many of us would explain the worship service that we just had. 
the, the gathering that we've had, worshiping the Lord, where they would maybe experience some of those same feelings. I, I don't think it should be a shock to us because we were created for this. Like, you've read the end of the Bible, right? The way that it ends is all of us who've been redeemed in heaven singing a chorus together with all of the angels and all of the believers for all time. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like that's how it ends. That's, how, that's why we were created, to worship the Lord. So it's not a shock that when you get a whole bunch of people together singing the same songs in the same place, that part of our spirit is stirred. It should happen here at church because we have the spirit and the truth. But it happens in other places with that feeling, but without the intelligibility, without the truth. In uh, September of 2021, Dr. Jens Madsen released a study that showed that um, when humans come together for a live music event, that their physiology has changed so much so that, that their hearts like beat together. Their hearts beat in sync together in a live concert. It even sounds like a Taylor Swift song. Like concerts and protests and dance clubs and, and exercise classes, they all have this ability in, in us, in humans, to affect a group of people in an experiential way, to, to make people feel like I, I had a spiritual experience. Maybe. I, we were designed to be together, singing. There's actually a reason for that. Don't miss the fact, though, that if you look back in Exodus, the plagues that came upon the Egyptians, the first two plagues, the magicians were able to mimic those plagues. They did the exact same thing that God did through Moses. Oh, oh they, they made water into blood. Oh, oh, they made frogs. But three through 10, they couldn't do it. And when they get to like six, they're like, we can't take this anymore because there's no truth in it. Don't ever miss the spirit and the truth. And so Paul is drilling down here. It's why he finds it so important that the gatherings, our gatherings together, should be filled with spirit. We should have an experience with, with the Lord at these times that we gather together. But don't ever miss the truth. Don't ever miss the intelligibility. And Paul is saying, man, the tongues are great because you're having this spiritual experience. But everybody, everybody needs to understand what is happening in the service so that we can all be built up. So intelligibility in our gatherings is super important because we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. We want every person to be taught from God's word and to be encouraged in their faith and to be challenged how they can grow to follow Jesus in greater ways. It's spirit and truth. That's what we do when we gather together. So when I bring my gift to church, does it build up? If it doesn't, keep it to yourself. That's what Paul is saying here. If, if my gift isn't building up when we bring it to church, then I'm gonna keep it to myself because the goal of us being together is that we would be building up the body together. 
We come together as people who've been redeemed by Jesus. We've been forgiven of all that we have done in the past. (laughs) Praise God for that. Because we are big balls of sin, I'm telling you. But we've been forgiven of all of that and we've been cleansed. And now we gather together so that we can grow together. And I'm so, so grateful for the fact that we have a fantastic worship team on all of our campuses. That every gathering today of worship for God's people in our church has been led by some great worship leaders who are talented and gifted. The Spirit is on them. And I'm so grateful for the way that they sing. We have people with fantastic voices and great talent who can play instruments. And, you know, I I stand over here and I mean, I can stay on key, but when I'm singing before I get up to preach, I I promise I make sure my microphone is off. Like it's off. And at the back, they have me muted both. It's like double because if I'm singing, it's not building up the church, man. Mm-mm. And so I'm keeping it to myself. I'm still using that. I'm still worshiping the Lord. You should sing absolutely as loud as you can. And with passion, the Lord is pleased with that. With your heart, he's pleased with that. With volume, we see that in scripture. He's pleased with all of that. But if you sing like I do, it might be a good idea to sort of keep it to yourself there. Sing all of those things, but we're not giving you a microphone anytime soon. Does that make sense? And I think that's what Paul is saying here with the tongues. He's he's saying that, yes, bring all of those things, but if it's not building up, if when I bring my church, when my bring my gift to church, if it doesn't build up, keep it to yourself. And then he says, when bringing my gift to church, does it bring peace? Does it bring peace? Let's look back at the text in verse 29. He says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so what Paul is saying here is it's like if you showed up to church and we had like seven sermons, like back to back, like another guy stands up and another guy stands up and another guy stands up. And some of you are like, I will never get to lunch. I have a brunch reservation. I'm never going to make it. Uh, But also in addition to that, we would all be really confused. It's like so much to process. Have you ever gone to like a conference before and you listen to a ton of stuff and you're like, man, that was really good, but I feel like I kind of drank from a fire hose. It was just like too much all, all at once. Because our, the point of us gathering together is so that we can hear from the Lord, from God's word, and so that we can apply those things to our life. And I think what's happening here with the Corinthians is so many of them are coming and talking and talking and and all of these different ideas. And and even if they're all good, it's like too much for people to process and to apply to their lives. And so Paul is saying, okay, 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 calm down a little bit. Let's narrow it down and just hear from a few people because we want to make sure that it brings peace together. Uh, And then he continues to a couple of difficult verses. 
So before we go to this, just, just know, I know it's, they're difficult verses. You're looking ahead in your uh, Bible. You can see these things. But um, verse 33, he says, As in all of the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. For if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Sounds kind of restrictive, doesn't it? It does to me. It sounds super restrictive. But we believe in God's word. We believe every word is inspired. We believe every part of God's word is profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. And so as we walk through scripture together, this is where the Lord has us and we are going to look at this. But this sounds super restrictive. When I open my Bible and I'm reading this passage, I'm like, what in the world does that mean? So when you come to a difficult passage like this that is hard to understand, there's a couple of options here. So one, we could ignore this passage altogether and think of it as outdated and chauvinistic. I mean, we, we don't think like that anymore. That was back then, but we don't think like that anymore. We could just ignore it and skip right over it. But we believe that every part of God's word is inspired, so we're not going to do that. Uh, we could see it as something that's culturally only. I mean, Paul was only talking to the Corinthians. It only has to do with them. It doesn't have any application to today at all. And a similar thing we could say about like 1 Corinthians 11, where it talks about head coverings. I'm, I'm sorry to say nobody walked in with head coverings today. Huh, we're not applying God's word, I guess. No, but we talked about that, that, that head coverings is actually what Paul's talking about there. He's talking about authority. And so is, is this just symbolic for something? Maybe this is just a cultural thing for that. I, I don't actually think that that's what is happening here. Um, a third option, we could take it exactly as it sounds, which would mean that women should never say a single word in church. And so if that's true, I mean, we have female worship leaders who I think do a fantastic job and, and who pray, and we have uh, women who host the service, and I, I think that's, so are we in direct disobedience to God's word in doing those things? I don't think that that's the case either. The fourth way is to view it contextually. So what we mean by that is, what does where it's situated in God's word, the, the verses that are right around it, the chapter that's right around it, the book that's right around it, what does the context tell us? How does it give us a clue to tell us what Paul might be saying by this? And that's what I'm advocating for these verses, to view it contextually. If you're new to Bible study, this is super important. You always look at the context around something when you're reading a passage and studying it and trying to figure out what is the Lord trying to tell us. This is the reason that we primarily preach through books of the Bible all together, so that we get the context together. We want to see all of those things. If I say the word to you plain, Many of you are, are thinking different things. Some of you are thinking about flying somewhere on vacation. Some of you are thinking about geometry class. Some of you are thinking about shaving a layer off of wood. Some of you are thinking about eating yogurt that doesn't have fruit in it. 
But if I say, what time does your plane leave for Florida? You know exactly what I mean because of the context that's there. Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered, there I am in your midst. And oftentimes we would be like, that's so great. So when we get in little groups of like three or four at our prayer meeting, that means like Jesus is sitting next to me praying. No, that's not what it means. The context is, it's Matthew 18. He's talking about church discipline. He's saying, when you have to carry out church discipline on somebody who's in an unrepentant pattern of sin, I've got your back. That's what Jesus is saying. The context changes a lot there. The context matters. So what's the context here of these couple of verses? Well, the context is in the gathering of believers. It's when we get together for church. And the context is in prophetic speech. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about how we should handle prophetic speech in church. That's the context. And I want to show you a little chart. Um, I was thinking this through with Pastor Luke Mead from the cathedral. He and I work together all the time. And he thought through this, this chart, and I found it super helpful to help think about this. Because again, these verses seem super restrictive at first reading. But I think when you understand the context and you start thinking about what does Paul really mean, we can understand a few more things. So outside the gathering, this is spiritual gifts, how we use our spiritual gifts outside the gathering. So not here at church, outside. Women can speak in tongues, and men can speak in tongues. Women can prophesy. Remember, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 talks about authority, but it talks about how women should prophesy. So women can prophesy, and men can prophesy. All the same when we're outside the gathering. Inside the gathering, women can speak in tongues with an interpreter present. That's what we just talked about. Those are the verses we just looked at. And men can speak in tongues with an interpreter present, because we want to make sure that all things are building up. But here in these passages, inside the gathering, while we're at church, Paul is saying women cannot prophesy, but men can prophesy. That's what he's talking about. It's not near as restrictive as it first sounds. Let me ask you another question, though. Where does prophecy take place in our weekly gathering? The sermon, right here. It's what we call preaching. That's where prophecy happens in a local body of believers while the gathering is taking place. So I think what Paul is talking about here is what we would call preaching. I think he's saying not preaching, just restricting that. And so Paul's addressing the the ladies in the Corinthian church who were standing up to to give one of these sermons at different times to preach in church, and he's telling them to keep silent. Now, even the word keep silent to us sounds a little bit like shut up. But but notice back in in verse 28, he, he says the same thing about the people who speak in tongues. You should keep silent. It literally means refrain from speaking. It just, just, Hold back a little bit is, is actually um, a, a better uh, wording of that. So, so I don't think he's actually saying at all, women cannot speak at all in church. You shouldn't say a word. I am so, so grateful for the many, many gifted women that we have in our church and for the ways that they lead. And as I've said before, and as we believe as a church, that we believe that women should lead in every opportunity in our church. 
Everything except for what is expressly forbidden in God's word. And we didn't write this. This is God's idea. And we're going to see in a minute why I believe that he says these things. But if you're interested in looking a little more, and the only things that God restricts for ladies is in the gathering, and it's 1 Timothy 2.12, where he's talking again. He says, in every place where you gather as believers, he says, I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority. He's saying, I don't permit a woman to preach in the church or to have authority. And that word, have authority, well, he's talking about be an elder, like authority in the gathered church. That's what he's speaking about. So the only things that I believe, that we believe as a church that are restricted to women, and what Paul is saying here is that women shouldn't preach, prophesy in church, on the, in the gathering of believers, and they shouldn't be an elder. They shouldn't have spiritual authority because that is the role of an elder. So this really is not near as restrictive as it would sound. I think that in the context here, what Paul is actually saying is that uh, women should not preach in church because that's a role that's specifically reserved for elder qualified men. So actually, this chart should say, inside the gathering, women cannot prophesy. But I have terrible handwriting, just so you know. But elders can prophesy. I think that's actually more accurate of what Paul's teaching to all of us. And the goal of all of this is so that the church is built up under the authority of God's leadership. His goal is that there would have peace as we come together. And peace only happens when there's a clear authority in place. You go back to the Harvest Kids toddler room right now and take the volunteers out of there and you see if there's any peace in about 15 minutes. It's absolute anarchy. Chaos happening. It's just like the book of Judges. What happened? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes because there wasn't any authority. And then what happens is God raises up a judge who has authority in the nation, and then there's peace for a while. And then the judge dies, and then everybody does what is right in their own eyes again, and it's chaos. And then another authority is raised up. And so, yes, we've talked before about the many ways that we as broken humans misuse authority. And there are many places where that is misused, and I'm not advocating that. But, but I do believe what I think Paul is saying is that in the church, there needs to be an authority structure so that there's peace, so that we all work together, so that we're grown together, so that we can be at peace and building up the body in love. So when I bring my gift to church, does it bring peace? If not, submit it to the authority of the elders. That's what I think he's talking about. I believe that the primary way that, that prophecy happens, that the gift of prophecy happens in our gathering is exercised by a person taking God's word and communicating it to God's people, applying it to their lives, to say, this is what God says, and this is how we should live because of that. And for, for those of you who believe that you are gifted in that, I think there's 
tons and tons of ways to use that. I think that can happen anywhere. It can happen in the lobby. Like, hey, I know this was difficult this week, and I heard about this that you're going through. I, I thought of this verse for you. I read this verse this week. I was in Psalm 78, and, and the Lord really put this on my heart for you, and, and I think it would be something that would be helpful to you. I, I want to encourage you with that. I think that's prophecy. I think that's what God's word is talking about. When you sit down in a coffee shop with somebody and say, I know that you're going through such a difficult time right now, but I was reading something this week and I want to encourage you with this. I think that's prophecy. There's tons and tons of places that men and women both can use that gift all across the, the place. But when we gather, I think Paul is restricting that to just a few people, that, that preaching at church is the place that that prophecy plays out. In the gathering, it must be submitted to the authority of the church. Even this sermon, right now, what I'm doing, if it's not congruent with God's word, if I'm teaching something that's against what God's word has to say or doesn't build up the body, then our elders will have a word with me. We'll talk about that because I'm under authority in that regard. And that's what God is calling us to, to be subject to one another so that it's about peace together. And that's what Paul has in mind, I think, when he says, let the others weigh what is said. I think he means the other elders. The other people there should weigh what is said so that all things that happen when we gather are done with the goal of building up. And all things that happen when we gather are done with peace. So when I'm bringing my gifts to church, when you bring your gifts to church, when we all bring them to church, is it bringing peace? Because God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. When we gather together, we are supposed to look like the Lord. Be holy as I am holy, he says. And we are to be peaceful as he is peaceful. So when I'm bringing my gifts to church, do they bring peace? peace. And if not, submit them to the authority of the elders. And then finally, when I'm bringing my gift to church, is it done in order? When I bring my gift to church, is it done in order? Let's continue reading in verse 36. Paul says, or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. All things should be done decently and and in order. That's what Paul is calling us to in this whole thing. When I'm bringing my gifts to church, is it done in order? Everything that we do, every element of our worship gathering from the moment you drive into the parking lot to walking through the lobby to coming in and each element that, that our worship team has planned together and each element as we go out from here, all of it is designed for the building up of the body so that we would be strengthened. And it's designed in order that way with structure so that we can all be built up. 
And what's happening here in Corinth is they're all talking all over the place over each other, and there's no order to it at all. And Paul's trying to bring it together with some order so that the church can be built up. Now, maybe that's not so much our problem. We don't have uh, 14 people standing up each weekend um, trying to say something over the top of each other. So maybe order isn't specifically as much of an issue for us, but maybe it's a lack of unity. Because that order is supposed to, it's intended to bring us together in unity. You know, don't forget that we're not the only church in town. You know that, right? It's one of the reasons that every service on every campus, we're praying for a like-minded, Bible-believing church. We do that every week. Because we believe that we're not the only church here. Those are our brothers and sisters at fantastic churches down the street. And we are grateful for them. Don't ever let this church become a competition with other believers. I'm, I, I'm kind of excited because uh, this is like Major League Baseball opening week. And, um, uh, you know, regardless of what you think, it is more godly to cheer for the Cubs than the Sox. But... Um, <laughs> You, know, you can cheer for the Sox if you want to be wrong. It's okay. Um, we love everybody. No, but no, I'm really grateful that that's the most uh, controversial thing that I've said today. Um, <laughs> but, but don't let that like spirit of competition that we have for silly sports teams, honestly, it's ridiculous. Don't let that come into the church. It doesn't have any place here. That competition about like, we're better than you and, and we cheer for our church more than your church or whatever. Like, I, I love our church. I've been here for over 20 years. I love what the Lord has done in the past and I love what he's doing now. And I am believing that he's only begun what he's doing in us and through us. There's a whole lot more people out there that need to be reached for Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of people in our church, and we all need to be grown as we follow the Lord. I want to look back in five years and be like, man, I've grown a ton because I was with these people, because we were together in it. That's what I want to do. Isn't that why you come to church? So that you can be encouraged and built up and strengthened, and so that we can be sent out on mission for God? That's why we come to church, but we're not the only place that do that. So, so don't allow, like, I, I love our body, but don't allow your love for our body to think that we're the only members out there. We're all a part of a church that's, that's seeking God's glory, that's seeking God's kingdom to come in greater ways, and that's seeking to reach the lost who are all around us. We're not the only church around and, and we want to do things in ways that recognize the, the Spirit's work in our church and the Spirit's work in other churches that are outside these walls. And I'm grateful for the ways that the Lord is using them, using us, using each of these churches as we gather to be sent out on mission for God. And that only happens when we get together and we build each other up. So when we gather, are we seeking to do all things decently and in order. We're trying to do that. That's why we spend a whole lot of time planning our weekend gatherings and thinking about them and and working on them. And what about this piece? And how could we help people in this way? We're always thinking about what is best for the people? What's best as we gather? And there's a lot of planning that goes into all of that. 
And there's been this idea that somehow planning and the Spirit's work are incompatible. And I don't know where that comes from, because it's not in the Bible, because all things should be decently and in order. Like we have this idea that, that the Spirit moving or being a Spirit-led church means it's something that happens spontaneously, which that does happen sometimes. The, the Spirit can do whatever He wants. He's in charge, trust me. So, but the Spirit's working on Tuesday when Vanessa is meeting with our worship team and, and planning what the gathering would look like and thinking about how, how can we help people and what are the best songs that we should sing and when, when should we do communion and how should we do baptisms and, and all of those pieces. Like the Spirit is working there, right there in that meeting and, and all week as planning's going on because it's done decently and in order. That's what we're seeking to do. We are seeking to be a Spirit-led church that doesn't start on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., that doesn't start on Saturday night at 5 p.m. when our first service is. That doesn't start just on our weekend gatherings. That starts early in the week when we're on our knees praying and, and saying, Spirit, lead us to what you want us to do this week as we gather. That happens on Thursdays when, when Pastor Jeff is sitting with his Bible open and his computer open, typing a sermon, thinking about, Lord, what do you have for us from this spiritual food? How would you lead us this week? We're seeking to be spirit-led, and we're seeking to do that decently and in order so that we can be built up, so that we can be grown together, because this gathering of believers— it's supposed to be a different place. It's supposed to be a unique place. The word church, ecclesia, it literally means called out ones. Like we have been called out of our sin, out of the world, into a community of believers so that we would be built up and so that we would follow the Lord. That's what it means. That's what church means. And there's plenty of junk that does not belong in here. Like, leave it out there. It, it belongs out there with the world. We shouldn't be a part of it out there even, but we for sure shouldn't be bringing it in here. Those things need to be totally different. Uh, one of my favorite movies is It's a Wonderful Life. It's, you know, obviously we all watch it around Christmas time and things like that, and, and it's a little sappy for sure. I, I, I get it, but I love it. It's so great. And the main character, George Bailey, there's this scene towards the beginning when he's uh, talking um, with the board of the Building and Loan, which is this organization that his family has led, and uh, Potter, who's the bad guy in it, Potter's trying to close the Building and Loan down. And, and George Bailey has this little, this line that's so great. And he says about the building and loan, this town needs this measly one horse institution, if only to have some place that people can come without crawling to Potter. Like this place needs to be different is what he's saying. It, it, it's, it's on its own. It, it's, it's like an outpost out there and, and we need this place. That's what he's saying about that. And we need this place. We need a gathering of believers if we are to function properly out there because this place needs to be a different place. Everywhere, everywhere that you and I go, people are about themselves. We're about ourselves and this place needs to be different. We evaluate which line at Target is shorter and, and oh, I think it's, uh, honey, what do you think? It's four? Okay, let's go to four. And then we get really upset when the checkout is like 
the really slow guy, and we get, we get pretty irritated about that. We dart back and forth in traffic. Have you been on 90 down in the city right now? That's where I live. Oh, it's terrible. We dart back and forth and, uh, so I can get there 15 seconds before the guy who's next to me. We have these like games that we play, these little mental notes, green jeep. I'm going to beat the green Jeep in my life. It's all about me. And, and, and I, gotta, I spend so much mental effort thinking about me getting ahead 15 seconds before that other guy. We complete our tasks at work, maybe a little bit secretive because we want to make sure that we get the credit for it. We don't want people to know the way that we did it until the boss is like in front of everybody and like, oh, the way that she did this, that was so great. So we get a little... It felt really good. Listen, all of that, all of that belongs out there. Leave it at the door. Leave it in your car in the parking lot. It does not belong in the church of Jesus Christ. We're not about me or you. We're about us and we're about him. And that's why we gather together. That's why it's so important that when we gather, that our gifts are used to build up that our gifts are used to bring peace, that our gifts are done in order because all of that belongs out there. And when we gather together, this is for the good of all of us. It's for the building up of all of us because we have a mission to do. We're on a battleship, not a cruise ship. We each have a part to play in this gathering and we have a job to do out there. And so we come in here together together and we bring our gifts, we bring all that we have to the Lord and we worship him and we seek to be built up so that we can grow as we gather and be sent out on mission for Jesus Christ. Because the world out there needs what we have here. The world out there needs this savior that we come in here to worship. When we fall down on our knees and raise our hands with tears down our eyes, and we should, but they need it. And so we need a place like this that we can build one another up in love so that we can be sent out on mission for Jesus Christ to affect a world that will only change by the love of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this place and for the opportunity to gather and for the ways that you use us in one another's lives we thank you for this chance to look into your word and for um, the way that you instruct us from it. Would you use these things in our lives to stir us up to follow you in greater ways? Would you be glorified through all of it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information on how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbiblechapel.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.